The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Has it ever happened to you to read a story and one fine day what you thought was fiction has become a fantastic fact? Such a happening I'm about to relate to you. The original was a tale by that great French writer Guy de Maupassant. It was about a man who lost his reputation over a piece of string. But embroidering upon this piece of fantasy came life itself with unpredictable and horrifying reality. Peter, neither Mrs. Mantell or I think you'd do a dumb thing like that. Are you saying I'm too smart to steal? Too clever to be a criminal? Yes. I wish you'd said it differently. Differently? How? I wish you'd said you thought I was too honest to be a criminal. mystery drama, Revenge is Sweet, inspired by the classic tale of Guy de Maupassant, was adapted especially for Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule, and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Imagine yourself one chilly November midnight on the San Francisco Embarcadero at the end of deserted Pier 24 jutting into the bay. Overhead, the gray steel of the San Francisco-Oakland Bridge. In the shadows stands an elderly man called Peter. On a piling sits a man fishing, a man called Harry. Harry has no home. He lives where he can find a place to sleep. He spends most of his days and nights fishing here and watching the boats as they pass by him under the Golden Gate Bridge. All he has to his name are the clothes on his back and the clothesline he fishes with. You there. Hey, you. Hey, you calling me? Yeah, what are you doing? Waiting for the fish to bite. What's it to you? What's your name? What's yours? Peter. Mine's Harry. Harry what? What's it to you? Harry, what? You heard me? Hey, take your fingers off my throat. What are you, crazy? All I ask is your last name. Take it. Take it. Ooh, you're strong for an old guy. What's your last name? My last name? You know something? I don't have a last name. There is Harry, the fisherman. You've got to. You've got to. Maybe I did once have a last name, but that was... So long ago, I just plumb forgotten. <laughs> You've forgotten? You too? Forgotten? Yeah. Well, don't you believe me? Now you get away from me or I'll call a cop. I'm not going to hurt you. Forgot his last name. Forgot the name. How could I tell old Harry how well I understood he could forget a name? 
It's driving me crazy, this whole thing, the name, the name. Everything is in a name. Life, death, the present, the future, especially the future. It's nothing without that one word. My heart was giving me that, that awful twinge again. So I sat myself down next to old Harry, waiting for the pain to go away. Like the boats of all the sizes sailing by the waste of the last five years of my life paraded in front of me. I started confiding in this bum of a fisherman. Talking. Something I hadn't done in years. Peter! Peter Rabbit! Where is that stupid... Peter! Come in, Mr. Clayborne. I'm coming in a minute. That's not soon enough. Get yourself over here. I'm just bringing some salads for Mr. Taylor. When I call you, I expect you to jump, see? Jump like a rabbit. Yes, Mr. Clayborne. Go to my locker and bring me my little black address book. It's on the shelf. Uh, look, can I do it in one minute? One of the sun lamps went dead and I have to change no, it. No, you cannot do it in a minute. I have an important phone call to make. Do it now. That was my life, Harry. That was my job. General assistant and gopher and cleanup boy at Leo Mantel's health club. A 55-year-old bat boy, chief cook and bottle washer, errand boy, what have you. Job I was glad to get. But it was sure getting harder every day to keep. So I went to Charlie Claiborne's locker. I opened it with my pass key. And next to his keys and his ring and his wallet, I found his black book. What in heaven's name took you so long? Hey, give me that. Wait a minute. Where are you going? To the sunroom, Mr. Claiborne, like I told you. Oh. All right. Uh, tell Leo I told a friend of mine about the club and he'll be showing up today. Yes, sir, I will. Well, don't you want to know his name? Oh, yes, sir. Bill Roberts. You got that straight? Roberts. Bill Roberts. He's a friend of mine. You tell Leo that, get it? Yes, sir. And when you've changed the sun lamp, come right back here. I want you to put this back in my locker. His Claiborne character never had a tough minute in his life. Married money... Married into the presidency of a corporation, acted like he owned the world. Me as well. Couldn't stand guys like that. When you're in the spot I'm in, you got no choice. On the plus side was my boss, Leo Mantel. Gruff, but a real sweet man. Peter. Hey, Peter, on the double. Yeah, here I am, Mr. Mantell. Uh, Mr. Roberts, towel and sneakers and show them to his locker. Uh, Mr. Roberts is a new member, and I want you to take good care of him. Yes, Mr. Mantell. Well, the uh, health club busy today? Oh, yes, Mr. Roberts. I'm busy every day. Folks come here mornings, and a crowd during the lunch hour, afternoons, even in the evenings. Number 24, that's going to be your locker. Oh, fine, fine. Uh, hangers in here for your pants and jacket and that shelf for your wallet and keys or whatever. Uh, thank you, Peter. Uh, here. This is for you. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm I'm not too familiar with the club. Well, but... when you've changed, then I come and lock up. Well, I mean, where is everything? From here to get to the pool? Well, you go, you go down past this row of lockers, and on your left is the sun lamp room. On the other side of that is, is the pool. Yeah, well, it's the exercise place I want to know. Oh, sure. Well, instead of left to the sun lamp room, you make a right past the pool, and then you'll find a workout room. They've got everything you need in there. <laughs> Fine. And I need. Ooh, look at the shape I'm in. Oh, you're okay? I've <laughs> seen a lot worse. Yeah. How old are you, Peter? About uh, 40? 55. 50? 
You are, huh? Yeah. Oh, and look at you. I mean, I'm 53. You look young, fit as a fiddle. Full shock of hair. I mean, I'm younger than you. Uh, I've led an indoor life behind a desk, having a hair on my head, and <laughs> a lot of corporate fat to get rid of. Well, you came to the right place, Mr. Roberts. Hey, Dave. Coming, Mr. Mantell. Oh, I almost forgot. Your sneakers. Size eight. Bill, hey, boy, welcome to the club. I wasn't about to tell Mr. Roberts where I'd developed my muscles. I wasn't about to tell anybody how and where I'd been keeping in shape. Twenty years of it. So, Harry, that's about what my life was like at Leo Mantel's Elf Club. When the lunchtime, big-bellied big shots went back to their offices, I mopped the floors, checked the lockers, took towels to the basement washing machines. Forty lockers, forty towels, four times a day. Hundred and sixty towels. Change the light bulbs, and taking messages, sometimes insults. Peter, come into my office. Sit down. Anything the matter, Miss Mantell? Don't you know? Yeah, something I did wrong, I guess. You guess, but you don't know. Well, did I forget to do something? I know I've been a little slow with the towels. Oh, I know. I didn't get that new customer, Mr. Roberts. I didn't get his towel when he wanted it. I know I did that. Anything else about Mr. Roberts you'd like to tell me? What about Mr. Roberts' locker? Oh, yeah, the lock won't work. It got stuck. I told him I'd, I'd play one of the old lockers so he could have that. You know, Peter, when I took you on, it was really as a favor to my wife. She said to me, you're not going to let a man who served time and paid his debt to society waste away, are you? No, I know. Look, Mrs. Mantell is really nice. I mean, whatever she wants me to do in the yard or around the house, believe me, it's a pleasure. She had faith in you, Peter. So I said to myself, man's done 20 years. He still says he was innocent, that he was framed... Well, anyhow, he's been penalized enough. So I'm going to take him on in my health club. You said that, sir? Is that all you have to say? I don't know what you want me to say. That you took it, and you'll give it back. Took what? Mr. Robert's wallet. But I didn't. Mr. Claiborne saw you taking it. He couldn't have. I didn't. He saw you fiddling with the lock on Mr. Roberts' locker, open it, and take out his wallet and put it in your pocket. That's impossible. Wait a minute. When did he say that? Middle of the day. He says he saw you about half past one. Mr. Roberts was in the workout room and Mr. Claiborne happened to come back. He saw you, Peter, put the wallet into your pocket. It was a comb. A black pocket comb. Oh, come on, Peter. Ah, I'll understand. I, at least I'll try to. It was to. a comb. Honest. Here, I'll show it to you. See? Why would you take Mr. Roberts' comb? It's not his comb. I mean, how could it be? The man's bald. Look, I, I told him I'd get him another locker. And I was trying to figure out what made his lock jam like that. And then up on the shelf, over the clothes, I saw this comb. And I thought, hey, that's Mr. Selig's comb. You know Mr. Selig who had the locker before? I mean, what will Mr. Roberts think if he finds somebody else's comb in his locker? We don't do things right here at the club, right? That's what I took, Mr. Mantell. Here, look at it. Come in. Oh, come in, Mr. Roberts. Hey, you too, Mr. Claiborne. Peter and I were just talking. Well, did you uh, locate my wallet yet? No, I'm just 
Just asking Peter if he knew anything about it. I haven't seen it, Mr. Roberts. Honest. Well, now... Now, Mr. Claiborne, please let me handle this. You can go now, Peter. I'll talk to you later. Yes, Mr. Manson. And close the door behind you, please. Well, what did your man say? He told me he took a comb from the locker. Have you looked everywhere, Mr. Roberts? Uh, turned the place inside out. It's not just the money. It's the credit cards. Everything. So Peter says he took a comb. Is that what you said, Leo? That's what he told me. He showed it to me. <laughs> what does he think? I can't see? I know the difference between a black comb and a black wallet. Well, actually, it's a brown wallet. Well, oh, whatever. I tell you, Leo, I don't like it. Has this man been with you very long? Almost a year. Good references? Well, he worked for us as a sort of handyman, my wife. Look, I I can't take any more time for this. If it turns up, Mr. Mantell, call my office. And will you? I, I've got meetings scheduled all afternoon, but I'll tell my girl to put you through right away. I might as well go along with you, Bill. Uh, what are you going to do about this, Leo? Have a good look myself. That's the first thing. We've looked. Bill and I spent an hour of our valuable time looking. I think you ought to report this to the police. One thing they can do is check your man's record, see if he's ever done time for anything. That's what I do. Who is guilty? Who is innocent? It has been said that money dishonestly acquired is never worth its cost. While a good conscience never costs as much as it's worth. So it's a battle between someone's inner voice and the outer truth. Who wins? Who loses? Perhaps we shall discover when we return with Act Two. my purse steals trash, but he who robs me of my good name robs me of that which enriches him not. Our ex-convict is accused of stealing a wallet. He says it was a pocket comb. Who, indeed, is robbing whom? I don't know if I told you, Harry, but Mr. and Mrs. Mantell had me staying with them on the top floor of their place. The business of the missing wallet happened on a Friday. Saturday was generally slow. Business offices around were closed. Most of our clients were home for the weekend. Mr. Mantell didn't say much to me Saturday. And Sunday, I came down for breakfast like I usually did. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mr. Mantell. There's coffee. You can fry yourself a couple of eggs if you like. I've already had mine. Mr. Mantell, you want me to leave? I'm going to go someplace else, find another job. And we'll talk about that later. Make yourself some breakfast. Uh, Mrs. Mantell's not feeling well, so I told her to stay in bed. Well, I'm not hungry. You told her about the missing wallet? I told her. What'd she say? She's very upset. But like me, Peter, she just can't bring herself to believe you'd do a dumb thing like that. You think you think I'm too smart to steal? Mm, I guess so. Mr. Mantell, I wish you'd said it different. 
How do you mean? I wish you'd said you thought I was too honest to steal. Don't ever get caught holding the short end of the stick, Harry. If people suspect something, they never let you forget it. And no matter what I did or who I spoke to, they just look at me with a fish eye. In a few days, no one even asked me to do an errand, even ask for a towel. They'd ask Mr. Mansell. And that Charlie Claiborne, he was the worst. He wouldn't let go. Uh, Leo, I'd like a few words. Uh, mind if I close the door? No, oh, sure, sure. Come on in. Uh, here it is, uh, Friday again. I hope you'll realize one week has gone by. Nothing's been done about the theft. Well, I'm still hoping the wallet will turn up. I know you haven't reported it to the police. I wondered why. Mr. Roberts told me he's reported it to his insurance company and that they were dealing with it. Well, I'm not the kind of person who enjoys being taken advantage of or see it happen to a friend of mine. I uh, spoke to the lieutenant of our precinct the day before yesterday. I happen to know him personally. He did a little investigation for me. Your man, Peter, did you know he's done time? Been in prison 20 years, only got out a year ago? Yes, I knew that. And you didn't report him? Why? It was very hard for me to believe that he'd steal a wallet. Oh, I see. Well, you made it quite plain you prefer his word to mine. So far as Peter is concerned... You'll be hearing from the police. But so far as I'm concerned, myself, Bill Roberts, and a good dozen guys who are here on my say-so, we're checking out. I don't think the kind of health club you run here, Mantell, is particularly good for the health. Mr. Mantell stood by me. He refused to believe I could be a thief. The police never showed up. And neither did Mr. Claiborne. Then Mr. Roberts left. One by one, we lost about ten customers in all. And one day, we were having the locker room retiled. And the workman found the wallet wedged behind a radiator. I knew you hadn't stolen it, Peter. Hey, wait a minute. I just hope he's in his office. I'm, I'm calling Mr. Roberts. Uh, you don't know how relieved I feel. <laughs> me too. Barbara, will you get me an open line, please? Uh, Mr. Roberts. Uh, who is this? Uh, Leo Mantell of the health club. They found your wallet. No kidding. Where? Behind a radiator. We've been putting down new tile in the locker room, and the men found it. <laughs> well, I'll be darned. Hey, listen, I, I wonder if I had to say something to Peter. You know, your man... Yeah, sure, sure. As a matter of fact, he's right here. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll be in tomorrow and see him myself. Okay? <sighs> Peter, I'm calling Mr. Claiborne. He's the one who's really conducted a vendetta against you. But why? What did I do to him? He has the instinct of the wolf. See a weakness and go for the jugular. Hello, Claiborne here. Mr. Claiborne, this is Leo Mantello of the health club. Yes, Leo. I've just been talking to Mr. Roberts. They found his wallet. I'll be darned. Where'd it turn up? 
behind the radiator in the locker room. <laughs> so that's the way he played it, huh? Well, what do you mean? That's not too hard to figure out. Your guy, Peter. Got too hot for him, so he made sure it'd be found. Mr. Claiborne, are you saying he just put it there? Leo, old boy, what do you think? Well, anyway, now that it's back, turned up, I hope you'll be coming back to the health club. What you're actually saying is, please may I have all my customers back. Well, my answer to that is, why, certainly. You've got a great plant there, Leo. The only thing I ask is, do yourself a favor. Get rid of the jailbird. I'll give you two guesses, Harry. Three guesses. What do you suppose happened? Right. Mr. Mantell let me go. He had to. Word was whispered around that I'd gotten scared and hidden the wallet behind the radiator. You know, once a criminal, always a criminal. <laughs> you can't win. You do understand, don't you, Peter? Yeah. I'll keep in touch to try to get you another job, okay? I can still come to your home, though, can I? I mean, keep on doing the chores around like I was? Well, I meant to talk to you about that. Mrs. Mantell was saying last night we're having her younger brother come stay with us and it'd be good training for him to make himself useful around the house. Oh. Well, uh, will I still be living up in that attic room? A matter of fact, that's the room we'll be giving her brother. He'll be arriving tonight. I see. But don't forget, Peter. Keep in touch. Sure. chance of going straight. Sure, I could get other jobs, part-time, odd jobs, dishwashing, but nothing permanent. Nothing you could ever build a life on. Oh, why bother? Why well, go on living? I remember I came here to the foot of Pier 24 and Hey, now, 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 wait a minute. Listen, friend, you wasn't thinking of doing anything foolish. Yes, I was. One jump, and it's all over. Well, don't do it, pal. You can get another job, or be like me. You can have an awfully good life with no job. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm not talking... I mean, I was talking about the first time I came here, after Mr. Mantell fired me, five years ago. I stood right here. Boats going by. And I'm thinking, why should I let Charlie Claiborne get away with ruining my future? My life. I'll give him an anxious moment or two. I still had my old locker room pass key. Hey. Good Lord. Leo. Leo Mantell. Well, what's the trouble, Mr. Claiborne? Look at that. The locker's empty. I've been cleaned out. Where's my stuff? Well, I don't know. Are you sure? What do you mean you don't know? Were you sure this is your locker? Of course I'm sure, you dumbhead. Well, nobody has access to the keys. You know... Since Peter left, everybody's been hanging their own keys in the office. Listen, chum, all I know is I locked up some pretty valuable stuff in here, and I'm not talking about my clothes. Very valuable stuff. I sure don't know what to make of it, Mr. Claiborne. Well, I do. I'm going to call the police. 
I'd been out all day scrounging for work. My age, it's hopeless. Nobody wants you. Over 30, there's only room for you on the ash heap. I got back to the flea bag hotel I was staying in. There was a cop at the desk. He asked for my name and said, would I come along to the station house? Before you know it, I was locked up. Well, what did he say when they accused him? Not a thing. Refused to say a word. He got him a legal aid lawyer, that's all I know. Uh, it's hard to believe he'd come back. How can he get into the locker room without being seen? I, I don't care what they do to him, but there was a heavy envelope in there. I've got to get back. 20000 I was going to put in a safe deposit box. Charlie, you left all that money in a locker? Well, who was to know? Wow, $20,000. Well, maybe they can trace the bills by number. Oh, who writes down numbers of bills? And the damnable part of it is I can't tell the police or the insurance company about the cash because it was slipped to me under the counter to sweeten the deal. A telephone for you, Mr. Claiborne. You can take it on the wall extension. Claiborne here. I'm insured, Mr. Roberts. They'll make good anything of his that was taken. Well, uh, well put the lieutenant on. Well, sure. If they've got the man, it's only a matter of time, isn't it? No kidding. That's, that's good news. You bet, lieutenant. Keep me posted. Well, what do you know? They found the guy's fingerprints all over my locker. Peters? Everywhere. The handle, the door, the shelf. Of course, that could have been done when he worked here. It could not. I never had that guy open my locker for anything. I, I never trusted him from the word go. I'm sorry to hear that. That's one thing I know. Character. Once somebody does something underhanded or dishonest, it's a dead giveaway. Will you gentlemen excuse me? I have to go back to the office. Of course, it's all Leo's fault. He knew Peter had done a 20-year stretch. Charlie, you did ask Peter to get your black book out of your locker. I was with you. Oh, you're crazy. I never did. Now, believe me, Bill, I'm not going to rest until I get that guy back into the salt mines where he belongs. Well, that's not going to get back what you lost. Yeah, so far he won't say anything. Even to the lawyer they got him. Hmm. Strange, isn't it? As though he'd given up hope. That looks like he wants to go back to jail. I did want to go back to jail. Freedom to me was worthless, Harry. One thing I found out, in the world as it is, Nobody cares. Nobody helps. Your life is your baby. I figured if I refused to say anything one way or the other, they'd send me up. In two days, the trial was over, and the jury went out. I hoped and prayed they'd come back with the verdict I wanted. evidence against Peter was overwhelming. His refusal to talk or testify did not sit well with judge or jury. Others have tried silence on the witness stand and were packed off to prison. You remember such a case, don't you? Disobedience in court can send you to the same cell had you spoken up and been found guilty. To hear the verdict and the extraordinary conclusion to this mystery... Join me when I return in a few minutes with Act Three.
anger and bitterness make an ugly brew. And inside the ex-convict, Peter, raged a hatred for all those who had caused his downfall. How much he had learned in the past months. The villainy you teach me, I will execute. And it will go hard. But I will better the instruction. The words of the great poet, but it could have been the vow of the man in the dock. I gather they're bringing in the verdict today, Charlie. Well, no matter which way it goes, I'm out 20000 I can't tell anyone I had all that money. Oh, would it make you feel better to tell me what it was for? A payoff for my influence in advance. <laughs> A bribe? I said influence. These guys that paid me don't monkey around. Now I've got to deliver. That means putting out at least 10000 of my own, and I haven't got it. And I don't know where I'm going to get it. Well, Charlie, why don't you tell those jokers what happened to the money? <laughs> so you'd read about me in the paper? Found stabbed or shot in an alley? <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for coming to court and testifying. I uh, think I'll make a phone call while we're waiting for the jury. Uh, just hold my seat for me, will you? Sure, don't be long. Uh, mind if I join you, Mr. Roberts? Oh, Leo, not at all. Uh, you know, I've never really understood Mr. Claiborne. I mean, I've given him the name of my insurance company and they'll replace everything, I'm sure. <laughs> I wonder when the uh, jury will come out. You know what I think, Mr. Roberts? It wasn't just a random burglary. Taking everything out of that locker smacks of some kind of revenge, I'd say. I know that Mr. Claiborne is a good friend of yours, but I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't some kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, retaliation, that's the word, by someone Claiborne had stepped on somewhere along the line. Well, it could be, Leo. Charlie Claiborne has stepped on an awful lot of toes in his day. Oh, here comes the jury. I don't think Peter's got a chance. Of course, they found me guilty, Harry. Only Leo Mantell had testified for me, saying he and his wife always found me to be honorable and trustworthy. The jury didn't think so. Because none of the contents of Mr. Claiborne's locker had turned up. The judge gave me what he called a, a light sentence. Six years. Eligible for parole in five. When did you get out, Peter? A couple of days ago. Five years. One year off with good behavior? No. My heart was acting funny, and I was up for parole anyway. I guess they didn't want me to die in prison. That's lousy. That sure is. You ever been in prison? You kidding? I wanted a lot of things in my life, but never that badly. It's funny how life goes. Somehow it's in cycles. When I got back to jail, all those guys, they welcomed me like a king. My old pal Oscar, I was in the same cell again with him. He had about 11 months to go, and then he'd be out. Well, I don't know where I'm going, but... I'm gone, and that's enough for me. Well, don't think it's going to be a better life out there, Oscar, because it ain't. Nobody wants you. Nobody helps. Oh, what kind of mouthpiece did you get? 
they didn't have any evidence. I read about it. Just that guy's word against yours. <laughs> yeah, his clothes were gone, too. He must have worn something when he went into the health club. <laughs> that must have been some sight, him in his shorts and a towel. I can just see him trying to borrow pants to get back to his office. Yeah, well, how could they lay it all on you? Well, I'll tell you how, Oscar. I wanted him to. Now, Pete, you just take it nice and easy. For me, this stretch is a real vacation. I did, Harry. Now, look, I trust you. I'll tell you the truth. Sure, it was me. I took everything out of Claiborne's locker. I was just going to open it and mess up his clothes. I was so mad at him. But there was this fat envelope on the shelf. And I look inside. There was money. Hundred dollar bills. Lots of it. So I grabbed everything and I took the bus right out here. And I dumped all the clothes and the wallet and the rings and everything into the bay. But I kept the envelope. Well, what did you do with it? What do you want? I'm close. Well, I saw your sign. Are you Milton, the, the pawnbroker? I am. Look, I'd like to leave an envelope here. Has it got... Some value? Well, yeah, sort of. To me, it has. I'm going away, you see, and I want to I leave it in a safe place. I'll go get a safe deposit box in the bank someplace. Well, the banks are closed now. Look, will you do it for $100? Will I? Come in. Come, come right in. Okay, now look. Here. Here's your 100 Now, the thing is, I may be gone five, maybe six years. Is that okay? Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll, I'll keep it in my safe, and whenever you come back, you just give me the receipt. That way, no one else can get it. Oh, a receipt, huh? Yeah, in five or six years, I might forget your face, so I advise you to hang on to that receipt. Well, suppose I lose it. You know, when you go away for a long time, uh, new places, things could get lost. Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. Well, you could write your name on the envelope right here on the outside. Well, I don't know. Well, then, then don't use your real name. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. It doesn't even have to be a person's name. It could be anything. So, so write something there, whatever you want. And when you come back from your trip, you come in here, tell me what you wrote on the envelope, and it's yours. See, Milton, what I, what I gotta do is leave this envelope with you. And you take care of the envelope for me, okay, Milton? I'm gonna take a trip, but I'll be back for it. I'm gonna write a code word on the outside of the envelope. So when I tell you what it is, and you'll hand it over to me. Okay. Pete, what did you write? What did you write on the envelope, Pete? What was it, Pete? Huh? Huh? <coughs> oh, uh, I must have been dreaming. What time is it? Oh, early, early. They, uh, 
They haven't called showers and breakfast yet. What are you doing over here by my bunk? Oh, you were groaning and moaning. I thought you were sick. What do you mean, sick? I'm fine. You were talking. I, I thought you were talking to me. What did I say? <laughs> well, who knows? What do people say when they're asleep? Nothing that makes much sense. I'd been talking in my sleep. Dreaming I was in Milton's pawn shop and he was putting away my envelope. My insurance policy for a decent life when I got out. Money, so I wouldn't have to take guff and insults from anybody for my last years. I didn't know what I might have let slip or what Oscar could have heard, so I, I just forced myself to forget. Forget what I'd written on that envelope. Then the day came when he was sprung. Well, how'd I look, pal? At the clothes they give you, Oscar? <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, and a couple of bucks plus all I made in the shop. Even a newspaper. Well, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah, hold, hold on a minute. Let me see that paper a second. I just thought I saw some. Uh, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? Inherit a million pieces. Yeah, in a way. You remember that guy Claiborne I told you about? That vicious guy? Oh, yeah, kind of. Look at this here. Yeah. Found him in an alley. Shot to death. Uh, nice friends you got on the outside, I must say. That time passed. The months ran into each other, into years. And I'd smile and think of all that money and what I'd do with it. Maybe build a cabin in the woods somewhere. Maybe have my own houseboat down in Florida. Then last week, parole. First thing I did when I hit San Francisco was to head for Milton's pawn shop. Yes? May I help you? Who are you? <laughs> what do you mean? I run this place. Who is Milton? Oh, you mean my uncle Milton? Yeah, that's right. Oh, he, he died two years ago. I'm his nephew. Oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You knew him, huh? Oh, I guess you did. Well, I've been away for uh, a couple of years. Uh, gee, that's too bad. You know, your uncle was a swell guy. Yeah, he had a bad heart. Oh, I didn't know that. Anyway, I left a package with him, an envelope. I said I'd be by when I got back, so here I am. Well, it's okay with me. Let me have the receipt and I'll look for it. The receipt? Sure, the slip of paper with a number on it. That, that's how we file things, by number. I didn't take a receipt. Afraid I'd lose it. Your uncle said for me to write something down on the envelope to identify it. Oh. Then when I came by, just to tell him what I'd written, and it'd be okay. Well, how, how big an envelope? Oh, maybe so long, about ten inches. Yeah. Heavy brown paper and about that wide. It was pretty thick, at least an inch. Oh. Oh, and it was tied up with a piece of string. I'm not sure if it was red, red string or black string. Valuable? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, then it's probably in the safe. That's, that's where we keep small items. Good. Uh, fine, okay. Uh, well, what's, what's written on the envelope? Uh, written? I wrote, uh, I wrote, uh, <laughs> you know, it's for, just for a second it slipped my mind. Look, while, while I'm thinking, wh why don't you go to the safe and see if there is that, that long envelope like I described. Oh, another thing. It had a big ink blot on one side. Okay, I'll have a look. What did I write? What did I write? Was it one word, two words? I better take it easy. Anyway, I described the envelope, so that's all right. 
Well, you're in luck. It was right on top. Uh, this is it, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Uh, there's a note in my uncle's handwriting here, tucked under the string. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you, uh, you just tell me what you wrote on here, and it's yours. I, uh... I don't know what's happened to my mind. Are you sure this is your end? Of course it's mine. You know, when you're my age, your memory sometimes plays tricks on you. Yeah, well, come on, I don't have all day. But look, I described it to you, didn't I? It's the same size, a brown, everything. I told you about the string around yeah, it. Yeah, well, you said red or black string, and this is green. Well, but it was string, wasn't it? I told you about the ink blot, you see? Yeah, well, uh, maybe you can tell me what's in the envelope. Inside? Sure. If it's your property, you ought to know what's in there. Oh, well, look, uh, listen, uh, I, I, I'll be back. I'm just going to take a walk around the block, and it'll come to me. I'll be back. But hold on to that. I'll be back. Well, you, you, you inhabit it if you just tell me what's in here. Harry, that was three days ago. I've been walking around like a crazy man. I look at the stores for names. I read the papers for names. The names of horses at the track. I was all of today standing in a phone booth looking through the phone book. My whole life, Harry, has turned into a joke. And the joke's on me. Oh, I see. That's why you asked me my name, huh? Why is everything turning against me? All my life I've been passed by. First I was framed and spent my whole adult life in that prison. I get out for a year, I'm free, I have a job, responsibilities, I'm respected, I'm somebody. Then along comes this Charlie Claiborne character. I haven't mentioned his name in years. Charlie, is that what you wrote on the envelope, maybe? No, I did not. I hated that guy. I wouldn't use his dirty name as a key to my new life. He got his, finally. <laughs> oh, brother, the way I got back at him. <laughs> revenge is so sweet. I took his pants and his dough. Boy, revenge. That's it. That's it. Revenge is sweet. That's what I wrote on the envelope. Revenge is sweet. Re... Oh, my head. My head is spinning. My chest. I don't feel so good, Harry. Harry. Harry, we would. Harry, we. It's too bad. I really got to like Peter and to sympathize with him. His was a hard life and to die at the very moment he might have begun to live. Did he have anybody to mourn his passing? Anybody? Who? I'll be back shortly with the ironic ending to this extraordinary tale. Hello, I'm Rick Barry of the Golden State Warriors. As a professional basketball player, I know that good defense makes a winner. Cancer chemotherapy is one of the most important kinds of defense I can think of. It helps arrest and control cancer, the ravaging disease that afflicts one-third of our adult population. Chemotherapy treatment, which means the medicinal use of chemical agents, can control some of the most common forms of cancer. 
Proper and timely use of this treatment can result in patients leading extended and productive lives. But scientists have only begun to tap the pool of therapeutic drugs at their disposal. To continue this costly process, your support is needed. Send a check today to Chemotherapy, Box 8, New York 10028. Remember, the best offense against cancer is a good defense, like chemotherapy. Rick Barry is right. Chemotherapy can relieve suffering from cancer while it checks the growth of the runaway cancer cells. Your donation will continue this relief. Think about it. Then send a check to Chemotherapy, Box 8, New York 10028. remember Harry, the fisherman, the man who had nothing and all his life wanted to explore new places, to travel. Somehow, he came into money, got himself first-class passage on a big ocean liner, and started cruising around the world. Harry was in no hurry to get back. No hurry at all. So you see, for someone, revenge was indeed sweet. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Lloyd Batista, Robert Dryden, and William Griffiths. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. What a waste. Mm. Happened at Fifth and Ballard. She was waiting for a bus. She saw a man approach. There was a phone booth at the corner, and she was able to dial the police. Could she uh, tell them anything? Oh, poor woman. She was paralyzed with fear. I can imagine. And she managed to say he was big, black raincoat, black mustache. That's all? Yeah, except for the usual little note placed on the victim's chest with just the words, Thou shalt kill. Uh, let me look at that newspaper for a moment, if you please. Oh, sir, your coffee's getting cold. Um, where do they describe the killer? Oh, yes, yeah. Big, black raincoat, black mustache. <laughs> Why, bless my soul. The woman could be describing me. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant...